It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Presumptuous. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. Presumptuous. P-R-E-S-U-M-P-T-U-O-U-S. A-A-R-O-N-R-O-D-G-E-R-S. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, my God. I've never come across an athlete like this. I've come across a lot of athletes. Is this the most presumptuous person you've ever seen? Trying to tell the Jets who they should trade for? Giving them a list? Here, I, I really want to do something for you today. And I love the Packers. You know I do. But I've had it with Aaron Rodgers. I've had it with him holding different franchises hostage figuratively, maybe potentially literally, darkness, alphonseca, euthanasia, whatever, whatever he's doing, I'm tired of it. Every day, a new article of a new demand. I want to know why teams give in to players. So I thought about myself, because that gets me through the day. What made us give in to players all the time? Desperation. Please, we want you so badly. Whatever you need, we're going to do. You want your own trainer? Done. You want improvements in the training room? Done. You want to come to spring training late? No problem. You want the corner locker with one next to you empty? Fine. You want us to hire your guy? Eh, all right, we'll do it. You want a suite on the road? Okay, but you'll pay for that. On and on and on. Please, we need pitching. We're gonna, ha- I need someone to balance me off in the lineup. Can you bring in a lefty? Boy, your starting rotation is problematic. Hey, can you worry about yourself for one second? And you haven't even signed with us yet. Aaron Rodgers picks up the phone. Who does he call? I think he calls Woody directly. The empowerment of Aaron doing a Scott Boris imitation. I'm not talking to Joe. I certainly am not talking to Robert, the head coach, or the GM. I'm going right to the Woodman. Hey, I, th- I bet he talks like this when he calls Woody. Woody, it's Aaron. I wonder if he says it's Aaron, or he says it's Mr. Rogers, or it's Raj. It's A-Rod. It's Danica's ex. Hey, Woody, listen, I, I know there's no deal yet, but I just want to make sure we were all very clear that I would like the following 14 things to happen. Woody says to Aaron, may I get a pen, please? 
oh, that no problem. I'm not going to put this in writing because I think we have to be pretty sneaky about it. But here are the players I'm going to have you acquire. I'm going to have you acquire Lazard Frere. I'm going to have you acquire Randall Tex Cobb, Muhammad Ali, and Mike Tyson. Someone on the internet said I should get James Lofton. You know what? That's true. I did well with him. And while you're at it, can you get me Tony Meandage? And I'm going to need a place to bring in food to the training center every day. And I don't practice on Wednesdays. All right. Will you call me back? No, no. Aaron, I've been here the whole time. Oh, sorry. I didn't let you talk. What's happening in the NFL right now? Everyone's sitting around. Teams are not waiting. The Jets certainly are. I think it would be outstanding for the Packers to do the following thing. And if I were running the Packers, hi, my name is Mark Murphy. I'm going to call up my player, Aaron Rodgers, and I told you this a week ago, and now I feel even more strongly about it. I am going to tell Aaron that we may not trade you, but if we do, you better call up the Woodman and tell him we're looking for a number one, not a number three. If we're going to take on dead cap space for you by trading you, I'd rather pay you your salary and watch you not play and then make you retire because you're so miserable. I just realized that the PR benefit that I get by doing what you want, it's gone. You've done it. You've made my life so easy, Aaron. This is what the Packers should say because the Packer fans have had it with you. Even the Jets fans have had enough already, but I don't care about them. Packer fans are saying, you know what? We love love. Thank you, Aaron, for your service. We appreciate it, but enjoy the clipboard. Why aren't the Packers willing to do it? What benefit are the Packers getting by trading him? You can go ahead and read a bunch of articles and let me boil it down. There's a few people sitting in back rooms talking about dead cap money. It's called dead cap money. I hate that expression. It's not, but to me, dead payroll is an unfortunate expression. What it means is underperforming payroll underperforming allocation of a contract that you signed with someone who isn't as good as the contract they signed or is as good but is hurt and therefore not playing. That is money that is not helpful to you. It is money that you're paying to a player not to perform. It's the worst plan ever when you're running a team. The more players you have who you're paying who are not performing, the worse off you're going to be if you're not the Dodgers. And even the Dodgers have a problem with that from time to time. So having Aaron Rodgers get paid $58 million to sit with the clipboard, take it. Just take it. And here's another thing for Mark Murphy and the Packers. When everyone was so stressed out about Aaron Rodgers and his demands last year and the fact that he had to get the new contract, what was it, Coco, one year, two years ago? How many episodes of Nothing Personal were on? 773 regular episodes plus over 100, let's say, other episodes. Do you remember the John Henry, Chris Sale deal? All the pressure to sign Chris Sale. Hurry up, sign him. Dave Dombrowski, the pressure to sign Miggy Cabrera. One year ago today, on March 15, 2022, the world stood up and applauded. Well, the tiny bit of the world that cares about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers stood up and said, thank heavens. Aaron Rodgers is back, baby. We were so worried that he was going to do a farve and go somewhere else or retire. He threatened all the things he was going to do when he went dark again last year, but it wasn't in a bunker. So the Packers signed this deal with him, and it was the most player-friendly deal. And people are going to say, but David, 
he won the MVP in 2020 and 2021. But David, this is an overperforming quarterback. Okay. Do you know what makes good executives? You don't have to be good to sign Trey Turner. You have to be good to sign a player who other teams don't want, but you see the value in. The Packers missed the playoffs last year. Remember, they started off poorly then in London. They were doing great, and then all of a sudden, the Giants were doing great. The Packers then were terrible, and then he was going to sit, and Jordan Love was going to play if the Packers got eliminated, but the Packers never got eliminated until the last game when they couldn't even beat Detroit. I think we all remember that. Eight and nine, missing the playoffs. What is the downside of telling Aaron you're done instead of letting Aaron dictate the plan? And when two teams can say the same thing about one player, you know the player is in the wrong. When the acquirer and the acquiree both have the same view of the amount of power that one player is using toward them, don't you stop what you're doing? drop, roll, and say, hmm, let's think about this again. Why haven't the Jets announced a trade with the Packers? In my dream scenario, because the Packers tell the Jets to screw off. So the Jets end up signing these free agents, and they end up with no quarterback. They got to go back to Zach Wilson, whose confidence level is about a 0.69. Can't even go to Mike White. He's a Dolphin. Can't even go to Derek Carr, Jimmy G, Saint, Raider. Arnold, nope. Baker, maybe. It's outrageous. So in conclusion, the Green Bay Packers and the New York Jets have not completed a trade for Aaron Rodgers. My way to see is Aaron Rodgers will not take another snap for the Packers. I'm sticking to it. He's going to get traded to the Jets. I'm sticking to it. The Jets are already acting as though he's a Jet. I'm sticking to it. Aaron Rodgers is doing his best LeBron James imitation, pretending he's the GM. And here's my next wait to see that's going to blow your mind, Coca, because we didn't rehearse it. We didn't talk about a pre-show, but I'm so over it. Here it goes. Everyone's saying the Jets are in position. They're doing it. The Patriots are one of the worst teams. The whole AFC East is for the Jets. Ready? Here I go. Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Do not win the division. Let me go better than that. Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. No playoffs. Yep. Wait to see. Book it, Coca. After Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Jets, which will be a wait to see win, the New York Jets will not make the playoffs. We are acting as though this is LeBron James. Aaron Rodgers is not LeBron James. Sometimes LeBron James is not even LeBron James. Is LeBron James LeBron James if LeBron James is not playing? That is the question. There's a great philosopher that says that the only thing that exists is that which you see and that which you don't ceases to exist. So picture that you're looking right now at me. Here I am. Now, if you turn away and I stop talking, ready? I disappeared. Now turn back. I'm back, baby. I don't know if I buy into that. Just because I don't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Is that the ultimate in hubris? I think it is. Maybe that's the definition of narcissism. The only thing in this world that matters is that which is under my purview. Shout out to Yertle the turtle. Try to rule over as much as possible by standing on the backs of other turtles. 
Yes, that's a Dr. Seuss reference. I told you, read Dr. Seuss. It's an adult book. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So LeBron James, when he's playing, outstanding. Lakers are making a run. They're now in the play-in game. They're only three games out of hosting the first round, and they're three games out of missing the playoffs altogether. One game out, whatever it is. It's a mess in the Western Conference, an absolute mess. We are heading toward the end of March. This is the middle of March. What's going on in the NBA offices is a little bit of tension. When you are negotiating a collective bargaining agreement, we talked to this with you about baseball and how that works. The negotiation of basketball is not dissimilar. You have an issues list and you try to take care of the easier issues first. You trade off and you knock issues off a list and you leave the difficult ones where you know there are major disagreements, you leave it for last. In the NBA, the biggest disagreements are about what counts as revenue, what is revenue, what the amount of revenue that should be shared with the players is. One of the things that the NBA wants that the players don't want is to deal with this concept of load management. Adam Silver can say what he wants to you, but load management matters. The reason load management matters is that to NBA players, the regular season is a joke. And if that is true, that means that eventually fans are gonna think it's a joke, which means eventually broadcasters are gonna think it's a joke. And if you thought there was an issue with the local rights because of the bankruptcy of Diamond, Wait till you see what happens to local rights of teams when the regular season becomes meaningless. So this is what they are talking about at the moment. The concept that was brought up and leaked about a month ago, which is that postseason awards are going to be tied to games played. It's a tough issue. Players want to win MVPs and they don't want to play all the games. So the NBA is saying, if you really want an MVP, then you better play more of the games. If you play more of the games, that'll be less load management. And the players then look at their own union and say, you know what? I'm making so much money. I really don't need the bonus that's associated with winning the MVP. You know, I'm good. I'd rather play 70 games, 68 games, 65 games, 69 games. 
So they're having this discussion right now about whether or not they can deal with load management through awards. I have a better idea. Coca and I came up. Thank you, Adam Silver, for hiring Samson Coca at all. We've helped you so much with your investigations of your front offices. And now we have come up with a system that works for everyone. Keep calm, but we are getting rid of the regular season. No more regular season. 81 games, done. 82 games, done. Instead, we are going to have, I'm being serious about this. We really think this can work. We are gonna have a Champions League and we are gonna play tournaments and we are gonna have payments to franchises who win tournaments. We are going to have a certain number of home games and it's gonna be instead of 41 home games, there's gonna be about 25 home games that you will have. It's a 50 game tournament season. In this 50 game tournament season, it will be a consecutive March Madnesses which means it will be single elimination, none of this pool play. We are gonna sell to the networks that every game matters. And on top of that, we are paying players by win. They're gonna get a base salary, and then on top of that, they get paid per win, and then they get paid for, vict for victories, for winning tournaments. Then there's gonna be a seating following the tournaments, and that seeding will decide the playoffs, and then the playoffs will lead to the final trophy of the year, which is the Larry O'Brien Trophy, which is the ultimate trophy, like the Champions League trophy. It is winning the NBA championship. The stats that you get will count, the trophies that you get will count, and you will get players never sitting out because they are playing for their money, for their pride, for their bonuses, and for their trophies. Fans will love it. They will go to all the games because every game, there's a chance it's the last. I love the brilliance of it. Make it matter. We sat around for weeks, months, and years trying to make MLB regular season matter more. How do we get 162 games to matter? What do you do? What should be at stake? Make the playoffs harder to reach. Now nah, we want to expand the wild card. We want more teams in it in September. All right, let's try that. Yeah, but more teams in it in September, then the agents are just saying the teams aren't building their payroll. They're not trying because they know they've got a better chance of making the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. That's true. Why not every baseball team make the playoffs? What's the difference? What would happen if MLB was just a big world baseball classic? and the teams were the countries. The excitement over the World Baseball Classic, it's amazing. Right this very second, Australia's playing Cuba for a spot in the semifinals. Did you know? 6 a.m. local time. Did you know that Shohei's pitching tomorrow for Japan for a right to get to the semis for Japan, our original pick? How do we make things matter? The best way is to have something. That's a fine. I wonder if Pablo is gonna give out fines now. Interesting. I'll have to think about that later. Where were we, Coca? I was getting all worked up. Did you see what Damian Lillard did yesterday, Matt? Of course you did. I just did that for the show. 
I know you know, because you sent it to me. See, during the day, I'm watching a movie or I'm getting ready for the next day's show and Coco will send me things and say, hey, pay attention to this. We're gonna have to talk about it. Start thinking about your view. Damian Lillard gave a good interview. He was on JJ Reddick's podcast and there was a bit of uh, a, a soundbite of it. And he was talking about his life as an NBA player, the importance of his family, the importance of his guys, the importance of games, the importance of the game. And he was very upset, upset that people don't view the regular season as though it matters anymore. Upset that everyone's talking about MVPs and that's it, who did what? It's strange. I think that our solution could work, Matthew, and here's how I propose that we get it done. If the NBA implodes the way it may, if there's no agreement by the end of March, you're gonna see a lot of changes in the league. And this is the time when changes are actually gonna happen in sports because of what's going on with the RSNs, which we're gonna discuss after the break. It's a brand new world. Why not embrace change? And change is not tying MVP to number of games played. Change is making sure that you put your sport in a position to continue to grow, that you make sure that the rebar, which used to be the regular season, does not fade away and melt right in front of our eyes, which is happening as we speak. All right, I'm gonna go to a break and we have to talk about a movie that I watched yesterday after the break and then we're gonna get into the World Cup, what they're doing, which is brilliant. And then we're also gonna talk about something that's going on in Washington and Baltimore that will uh, make you smile. We'll be right back. 15 second commercial, Coca. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Be part of the madness. If you're watching this live on YouTube, we're live. Nothing personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. If you're downloading this, thank you. Tell your friends, hit automatic downloads, and then listen to the show. Believe me, it matters. So I watched an Oscar-nominated documentary from years ago that I had not seen before because one of you suggested I watch it. I actually watched two things yesterday, both of which were suggested by you. One of them was Chasing Coral, and one of you asked me to watch a movie called Brian and Charles. I watched that too, but I want to review Chasing Coral. And I just wanted to mention something about it. It's a beautifully shot documentary about coral reefs around the world and a group of people who've dedicated their lives to informing us about what's happening under the ocean. We are an amazing species, human beings. We have the capacity to compartmentalize like no other animal in the kingdom. It's not that we, some of us don't just think about eating and having sex and procreating. Some of us are thinking about other more important issues. Maybe they are more important, maybe they're not. 
Maybe we realize that there's an entire animal kingdom under the water. Maybe we realize the importance of our oceans. And this is not me being a liberal hack and telling you global warming is crushing us. I'm far more into facts than I am into rhetoric. I think it is important to understand the sources when you are reading articles, when you are watching TV, when you are reading reports, it's important to do your own research to understand the inherent bias of the person who is giving you the information. It is just as important to know what the right says as what the left says. It's just as important to understand both sides of climate change, of global warming, are the icebergs melting? Is the ocean changing? What does that mean when the ocean changes? What does it mean when coral reefs disappear? When you put a time-lapse camera below the ocean, and this is what the documentary is about, and you see what happens over the course of a year to the reefs because the temperature of the oceans are increasing, or when you are worried about hurricanes, when you are worried about all the different things that happen because the temperature in the oceans are rising, and it's not a question, are they rising or not? You put in a damn mercury thermometer and you know whether or not the oceans are rising. Thanks, mom, for putting a mercury thermometer in my tuchus when I was a kid. I don't think they do that anymore. That is a great technological improvement. I had to put it in my kid's bum to take their temperature. Why? Now they put it on the armpit, ear, forehead, way more civil. But old time people would say it's way more accurate up the south end. Yeah, but I really don't care if it's 102.4 or 101.8. I'm giving you a children's Tylenol or St. Joseph's aspirin either way, right? Chasing coral goes through exactly what is happening in the ocean and what we can do about it. And the question is, do we care? Is it going to happen in our lifetime? Probably not. Your kid's lifetime? What if you don't have kids? Your grandkids' lifetime? Do we have a responsibility to this planet beyond where we'll live or when we'll exist? Or do we know that we are a declining asset and eventually the planet will have been, it'll be done. Are we okay with that? The level of presumptuous selfishness that we all live through, and I'm not suggesting you quit your job and become a total environmentalist and do all the things unless you want to spend your life that way. I'm just suggesting that you read and watch enough content to really understand what's real and what's not real. Chasing Coral will teach you what is definitely real about the bleaching of the coral, the impact it's having on wildlife, the impact it has on the food chain, and the impact it has on us. Yes, we can still eat tuna. They haven't run out of tuna yet, but guess what? They're going to. Chasing Coral, check it out. Meanwhile, what we spend more time doing, and I do, I do, for sure. I spend as much time as possible thinking about business and thinking about ways to make money and raise money for charity. And I'm, I'm guilty of that, but I don't feel badly about it. I do what I can, when I can, but I don't recycle. The World Cup and FIFA are an organization that brings not recycling to the next level. They are figuring out how to get as much money as possible from you. I'm in. That's the job of every business, whether it's the corner bookstore, Amazon, your gas station, a restaurant, FIFA, the NBA, Aaron Rodgers. Everyone has a commonality of interest, which is they want to get the most money they can from everybody else so they have money to use to do what they want to do. Buy stuff, give it away, 
whatever the reason is. The World Cup happened in Qatar this year. I guess it's last year now already. And FIFA said to themselves, man, we're popular. This is unbelievable. Here's what we should do. We got to make it bigger. Because in this era of supersize me, it's not just the fries and the Coke. We got to get more games, more pool play, more elimination games. The World Cup announced in a vote, and I loved when Infantino announced the vote that happened as though there was even a question. They voted to expand the World Cup to 104 teams. 104 matches, not teams, matches. All right, Coca, are we live? Two, six, nine. FIFA voted to expand the World Cup to 12 groups of four, 48 teams, 104 matches. Is that unbelievable? Did you know what it was gonna be in 2026? They were gonna have 80 matches, which was still gonna be more than 2022. But instead of 80, they said, we can even do better than that. Let's go to 104. Why? Because they went out and they figured out who they were gonna get bribes from, how they were gonna figure out who was gonna be the TV partner going forward. And they realized that they have a way to line their own pockets way more under the auspices of giving extra money to more federations, to more countries. It's a bunch of poppycock. It's a total money grab, but it's the perfect type of money grab because it's actually what the people want. It's not like increasing the price of gas to get more money if you are an oil company. If you're FIFA, keep going until the customers say no more. And none of us were saying that with the World Cup. We're all saying it with the regular season in baseball and in basketball. Players, staff, fans. In the World Cup, it's not that. This concept in economics simply can be called supply and demand. Supply and demand are two, an X and a Y axis on a curve. And you try to raise supply to meet demand. And when demand outstrips supply, guess what? You have to make more of what you have. If supply outstrips demand, you have to throw stuff away and start making less of it. It's all run by the demand side. There are people who will talk about supply side economics and I'd rather talk about demand. Demand is the driver of every concept in my micro and macro economy. I need to find out what people want and I gotta give them more of it until we saturate it and then they don't want it anymore and then we're gonna find out what they want next. You only know you've gone too far when you've gone too far. If you still think you can go further and you don't, you are doing a disservice to your company. If you have not crossed the line, you don't know where the line is. And your job is to get to that line and to do it, you gotta cross it. So is this the right number for the World Cup? We don't know yet. We're gonna find out with broadcast deals. We're gonna find out with attendance and ticket numbers. We're gonna find out with interest. I'm fascinated by the whole thing. Do you know that back in November, Infantino, he, you know Infantino, the guy from, uh, from that documentary we talked about and the guy who's running who sits there in that 
plush chair watching the games. He had he told his people that FIFA made about six and a quarter billion pounds, which is about seven and a half billion dollars during the Qatar four year cycle. That is, so what FIFA does is they do a World Cup every four years and they use the money, which are the rights fees and the tickets and merchandise and everything else. And the money they take in minus the money they give out to the member countries, what's left, it's sort of money that FIFA has. They made so much money. And when he told all the member organizations, they were so happy. And then they said, how do we make more? What do we do to get more? And he said, this is it. We're gonna make way more, like 10 billion. We're gonna make 33% more by improving and increasing the number of matches and hosting the USA, Canada, and Mexico. Think about this, the Major League Baseball makes $11 billion a year as a industry over a year, right? NFL about 19 billion over a season. FIFA could make $10 billion and what they do is put on a World Cup. Oh my God, it's so good. Wait till what's coming next. I bet you, Coca, is this crazy of me? Why wouldn't they do the World Cup every two years? Why not test that out? Why, did, why does that have to be every four years? Is that a rule? Did they vote on that? Have you ever heard of this? Does anyone know for sure? I do not. That's my whole supply demand side issue. People are gonna keep paying for World Cup. You think Fox or ESPN or Metalark wouldn't want to broadcast the World Cup every two years? Yes, they would. The Knicks are good. I'm sorry, nothing personal pick of the day. The Knicks crushed Portland in Portland. This is uh, Damian Lillard played, scored 38 points. Portland is under 500, not good. The Knicks are a real team. I had the Blazers plus one and a half going for the trifecta of home teams getting one and a half and the streak is over. Bet the trend, my friend. We're 35 and 36 as the Knicks beat the Blazers. Tonight, we're gonna go with the Heat over the Grizzlies. I think there's something to be said after your star player has a problem and is away from the team. You band together, you say, hey, we can do this, we've got this. And I think that lasts for a minute. And then you wake up days later and say, my God, our best player's not here. We really do have a problem, don't we? I think the Heat take advantage of that while the Heat have been wildly inconsistent, troubling with their shooting, figuring out who's gonna help James Butler. Everyone saying, oh my God, Kevin Love is on the team. How great is that? Why do people get so excited for buyout candidates in basketball? How helpful are buyout? The reason they're being bought out is because they're not good anymore and they're not playing. Oh, it's a change of scenery. Kevin Love looks so good in a uniform. Okay. Heat three and a half over Memphis. All right, let me bring it back to 2002 when we sold the Marlins to baseball. Uh, come on, David, ready? Two, eight, six, nine. Let me bring you back to 2002 when I was a part of the Montreal Expos and the Expos were sold to baseball. Baseball was gonna take the Expos and move them to Washington and sell them to the Lerner family and make a nice profit that would be split amongst the 30 teams. That money was put into a segregated account called Baseball Expos LP, actually. That money is 
130th the Marlins, which is a little known fact there that when we took over the Marlins, when Jeffrey took over the Marlins, he actually owned a percentage of the Expos still after having sold the Expos. People didn't realize that, but it happens to be true. In 2005, the Expos were sold and moved to Washington. What you don't realize is that Washington, D.C. was in an area controlled by the Baltimore Orioles and John Angelos and Peter Angelos and Louis Angelos. At the time, it was really just Peter and Louis and John were his sons, are his sons. When you move a team into another team's territory, there has to be payment made to that team. It can be a one-time payment. It can be a all-time payment. Every year you get a certain amount. It is a negotiation. Baseball was going to make sure that there was a team in D.C., so they gave the Orioles something spectacular way back then. They let the Orioles start a new regional sports network called Masson. They gave Orioles ownership of Masson, and they gave that network the right to broadcast contractually the Nationals games. Brilliant. Peter Angelos said, that's better than a one-time fee. I now have equity in a network, and these networks are worth a fortune. They're worth billions of dollars, and they're going to keep growing. There's no end in sight. Rights fees are going to skyrocket, and we now have a contract to pay the Nationals below market rights deal, which means more profit for the network, which means more money for me. I'm in, Commissioner Selig. Sign me up. Give me Masson. And baseball said, hold on one second. As part of this deal, we need to make the Nationals an attractive team to a prospective buyer. So we're going to make an agreement of what the rights fees are going to be for the first five years. But after that, we're going to have a renegotiation where we'll see where the market is. And then you will pay Peter Angelos and the Orioles. You will pay the Nationals fair market for the rights to broadcast the Nationals. But the Nationals can't start their own network. They can't go to any of your competitors. They have to do a deal with you, but the amount of the deal will be decided according to the fair market. And if you guys can't come up with the fair market, we'll arbitrate it and we'll figure out how much the network should be paying to the team. Does that sound good, everybody? They've been in litigation for a decade. Here's how it works. The Orioles call the Nationals and say, we've decided that we ought to be paying you $40 million a year in rights fees. The Nationals say, we appreciate that, but that's way too low. We do not accept it. The Orioles say, well, sorry, that's what we're going to pay. The Nationals say, we're going to get a ruling by MLB, an independent committee called the Revenue Sharing Definition Committee is going to hear from us what we think our rights should be. You're going to say what you think the rights should be, and then they're going to decide. The Revenue Sharing Definitions Committee gets together, which is just a bunch of team presidents and owners, and they say, hey, screw you, Angelos. We think the right number is this. Angelos says, absolutely not. We're not paying it. Baseball says, you better escrow the money. The Baltimore Orioles put $100 million into escrow. The Nationals did not get that money. The Nationals got paid each year what the Orioles wanted to pay them and nothing more. 
when a ruling came down that the Orioles should have paid more and they didn't pay it because the Orioles were involved in a litigation against the Nationals and against baseball about the amount of money that the rights were worth, the Nationals don't have the money, the Orioles don't have the money because they put it in escrow. So who's the winner here? This litigation has continued and it took another step yesterday when an appeals court heard an argument by the Orioles that the revenue sharing definitions committee made up of MLB owners and presidents is not neutral. And on top of that, there's a conflict of interest with the lawyers. And on top of that, it's just not fair. This is not Peter Angelos arguing, it's his lawyers. Peter Angelos can't argue about what oatmeal he's gonna eat tomorrow. However, this is a major, major piece of litigation in baseball. Why? Because the Nationals are for sale and no one will buy the Nationals because they don't know what the TV deal is worth. Why? Because they're still arguing about the first five years of the deal. Once this litigation gets completed, and if you read articles about this, you will notice that there is litigation that's happening now. What you're not reading about is this litigation only covers the first five years. Then there's gonna be litigation about the next five years because the Nationals have not agreed to what they should have gotten during that five-year period. Then on top of that, we have to talk about what the Nationals should be getting this year. Someone's gonna buy the team, they gotta know how much money they should be expecting. It's total insanity. Meanwhile, the value of Masson has plummeted because all sports networks have gone down the crapper because everyone's cutting their cords, everyone's declaring bankruptcy. It's a total nightmare. But the Orioles can't argue that the value of Masson has decreased, therefore the rights they're able to pay to the national has decreased because that's only true now. They're fighting about 10 years ago when it was skyrocketing. This is a complicated issue made worse by an actual lawyer in court yesterday. This is a lawyer for the Orioles and Masson. Quote, if we try this in front of a neutral decision maker, we'll live with the result. What he's talking about is that having the revenue sharing definitions committee decide anything is not neutral because it's controlled by the commissioner. Wink, wink. If we try this in front of a neutral decision maker, we'll live with the result. Once you get a neutral arbiter, we're done. And that's what they're arguing. They don't wanna be in front of the revenue sharing definitions committee. They wanna be in front of a neutral arbitrator like Mary Jo White. Unless and this is the lawyer talking, unless MLB tried to bribe one of the arbitrators, though it's more likely the Nationals would do it. I wanna make sure you heard that statement. This is not a fake account. This is in a court of law from a well-known accomplished attorney who's saying unless MLB tried to bribe one of the arbitrators, though it's more likely the Nationals would do it. Top five answers on the board, 100 lawyers surveyed. What will be the result of that statement by that lawyer? 
Sanctions. Show it to me. Number three, sanctions. A lawsuit by baseball and the Nationals. Number one. If you are baseball and you are the Washington Nationals, you cannot let it stand on the record that there is a lawyer who is impugning your integrity about your arbitration system, about whether or not you bribe arbitrators, about your revenue sharing definitions committee. This is libel. Slanders when it's spoken, libels when it's written. I guess this was spoken, so it's slander. Now, all you lawyers out there, I'm not practicing. I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm telling you that what's going on in the halls of Major League Baseball right now is no joke. This Masson deal has been a thorn in the side of baseball and all of the owners for a decade. It has got to be settled. The Commissioner Selig had a chance to settle it. Commissioner Manfred had a chance to settle it. It is now in the court system. It is completely out of hand. And the best way to do it, let it die. Tell Angelos, good luck with Masson. It's gonna be like Diamond. It's gonna go bankrupt. Yesterday, Diamond declared chapter 11 in one of the most eagerly anticipated moves in sports business of the year, leading to the biggest sports business story of the year, the RSN on which you watch your team's games, the majority of them are bankrupt. What does it mean? Well, everyone had their hair on fire yesterday. Arizona Diamondbacks have not been paid. What's gonna happen? The Cincinnati Reds, the San Diego Padres. I guess it doesn't matter how much money you spend on your payroll. If it's a small market, it's a small market. Hello, Peter Seidler. You can pretend you're LA, but you're not. The Cleveland Guardians. It's not just those four teams though. There are at least 14 to 17 teams impacted by this bankruptcy. But from your standpoint, you're gonna to get to watch the games because MLB came out with a statement. They were prepared. They have a whole department ready to go. Despite Diamond's economic situation, there is every expectation that they will continue televising all games they are committed to during the bankruptcy process. Here's a little hint, they're not going to. So then MLB had to continue. Major League Baseball is ready to produce and distribute games to fans in their local markets in the event that Diamond or any other regional sports network is unable to do so as required by their agreement with our clubs. This did not come from MLB PR. This comes from MLB's L, what am I called? L, oh my God, JD's, oh God. JD means Juris Doctor. Lawyers, lawyers wrote that statement. We are saying to everybody who will listen that there are contracts, those contracts are going to be enforced because if they are not enforced and you do not fulfill your side of the contract by broadcasting games, we're gonna have to do it ourselves and we will not be able to generate the amount of revenue that would have been generated if you had just paid what the contract says you should be paid. But here's a little nugget that no one's discussing. Over 80% of these contracts, anecdotally, but Trust me, I'm right. Include equity. What do I mean? When the Marlins negotiated a deal to go with Bally Sports Florida, they got a rights fee and also in addition to that, an equity stake in the network. 
the equity stake in the network was worth X amount of dollars in the form of a distribution. The reason teams like distributions from networks is because it's not subject to revenue sharing. Rights fees paid to a team count as revenue for revenue sharing. Equity distributions do not. If you own a network that gets a distribution, you get that money and you get all of that money. But when the network is no longer able to make distributions, the money that you expected to get, you're no longer getting. So when teams are saying that we have an expectation of getting rights, what they're really saying is we have expectation of getting rights plus equity distributions. And that's the number they add up to come up with a payroll. So if you think that payrolls are not gonna be impacted, that league revenue is not gonna be impacted, that owners are not gonna be impacted by the bankruptcy of Sinclair and Diamond and the change in the reality of how games are distributed and consumed by you, the fan, then you're not paying attention because the reality is that for everybody involved in the bankruptcy of the networks, it's just business. Good luck, fans. See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal.